0: This is the 6th day of this July August 2019 7-day session. We'll take up a koan today from the Mumonkan, the gateless barrier. And this is number 10, Sozan and Poor Seize. Here's the case. A monk, Seizei by name, <clears throat> said to Master Sozan, I am poor and alone. I beg you, Master, to please make me rich. Sozan said, Venerable Seizei. Yes, Master, replied Seizei. Sozan said, you have already drunk three cups of the finest wine of China but still say your lips are not yet moistened. We'll get to the <clears throat> commentary in verse later, but first uh, some biographical material on uh, Sozan. We don't have anything for this monk by the name of Seize. Uh, Sozan, um, his Chinese name is Kaoshan, um, but I'm going to This time, stick with the Japanese name. Sozan uh, was one of the co-founders of what came to be known as the the Soto School. So it's a combined... The the name of the school is a combination of So and To, Sozan and Tozan. And this is uh, the Sozan. There's another one that I fear that the last time I commented on this koan, I read biographical material about the other Sozan by mistake, but we'll get it right this time. His dates are 840 to 901, which puts him right in the middle of the Tang dynasty. And uh, he was the a, a, a foremost disciple of Tozan, the, his... Uh, the other half of the name, Soto. When uh, Sozan was a youth, he studied Confucianism, which would be pretty common, would have been pretty common among monks. He left home at the age of 19, left home meaning became a monk, uh, but received... uh, full ordination at the age of 25. And he did become uh, Tozan's Dharma heir. Uh, Sozan used Tozan's uh, five ranks. Um, This is a a uh, kind of a treatise on, basically on, uh, the intricacies of the interplay of uh, the relative and the absolute. It's um, it's typically done as the last thing in the koan study. Um, I find it uh, enormously um, conceptual. It's not like other koans. It's it's really it's more of a discussion between teacher and student. Uh, so, except for uh, those who become uh, those who I end up sanctioning as teachers, I haven't uh, really offered it. Uh, it would it would. I'm convinced it would be inappropriate for Seshin to have such a uh, an intellectual, extended, intricate discussion in, in Doksan during Seshin. Uh, Here's a dialogue between these two, uh, the disciple Sozan and his teacher Tozan. Uh, When Sozan met Tozan, Tozan said, what is your name? And uh, Sozan said, uh, let's say, uh, his name. Well, there we get into the complications of Chinese and Japanese names. Okay, he said Benji. The Chinese version of Sozan's name is Kaoshan Benji. So Let's just go with Benji. So he said, my name is Benji. And Tozan said, what is your transcendent name? And And Sozan said, I can't tell you. Why not? Sozan said, there I'm not named Benji. And uh, it says here that Tozan then realized that this disciple was a great Dharma vessel. You know, uh, something like this. Okay, let's say it was a, a, good, a good dialogue that uh, Sozan showed. He had some insight. But it wouldn't be just the words, this back and forth, that would cause um, Tozan to say that. It would be everything else he was picking up on the, the way Sozan came into the room, the way he uh, prostrated, prostrated. the way uh, everything about him. So we read these, these dialogues and can end up kind of scratching our heads about why he would uh, surmise, why the teacher would surmise that he was a great Dharma vessel just from uh, that response. It's actually a koan itself. It's a koan in the... Uh, Shoyoroku, The Book of Serenity, but let's just keep going after beginning training under Tozan at this time. Sozan remained for many years and realized the secret seal of tozan's teachings. i'm reading here straight from the old records, the translated records, so there's the uh the the, the, the language can be seem a little formal. He realized the secret seal of Tozan's teachings. Later, when Sozan left Tozan, Tozan said, where are you going? Sozan said, I'm not going to a different place. Hmm. Tozan asked, you're not going to a different place, but there is still going? Sozan said, I'm going, but not to a different place. Hakkowin, coming and going, we never leave home. And then in a related um, use of of language, uh, a monk asked, who is the person who is here forever? Sozan said, just when you encounter Sozan, he is instantly revealed. The monk asked, who is the one who is never here? Never here. First, who is the one who is here forever? And then the monk asked, who is the one who is never here? Sozan said, hard to find. You can see, these are just two ways of saying the same thing. This, uh, The person who's here forever, of course, is our true self. Beyond birth and death. Beyond coming and going. And then who is the one who is never here? Our true self. Our true self that is no self. This is the the contradiction, the paradox uh, at the very core of not just Zen, but of reality. These two sides, affirmation and negation, existence and non-existence. And so we have this method um, called the middle way, the Dharma, by which we can see into this um, paradox, but experientially, we could talk about it forever, but to see, grasp it in the body, this one who is here forever and is never here, this world that is here forever and yet never here. A monk asked, first, the monk quotes. He says, an ancient one said, everyone has brothers in the dust. And then the monk asks, can you demonstrate this to me? Sozan said, give me your hand. Sozan then pointed at the monk's fingers and counted one, two, three, four, five. That's enough. That's enough. brothers in the dust So the trouble with uh, these dialogues uh, just all strung together uh, as about any context is you uh, can't can't always know what the what, what the reference is to uh, in fact that's what what makes these what makes koans generally so many koans Uh, difficult to access is there are cultural references, references from ancient China that we would have no idea what it was about uh, without having worked with a teacher on them and acquired some knowledge of, of familiarity with these cultural illusions. It's part of the job of a teacher working with koans, with people, is to, uh, when when it's necessary, uh, to uh, transmit whatever it is he or she has learned uh, about these illusions. But everyone has brothers in the dust. Could that mean everyone has brother monks who've died? Dust is often a a, a metaphor for thought thoughts. We don't know. The next exchange is uh, referring to this master, this Chinese master, Lu Zhu, who became famous uh, by always responding in the same way when someone asked about the Dharma. He would just turn around, turn his back to the questioner, and face the wall. And so the monk asks, what was Luzu trying to show when he faced the wall? So Zan covered his ears with his hands. One more. Sozan asked Venerable Chang, The true body of Buddha is like vast emptiness. When a thing appears there, it is like the moon reflected in water. How would you express this teaching? Chang said, It's like a donkey looking into a well. Sozan said, You've said a lot, but you've only gotten 80% of it. Chang said, what would you say, master? And Sozan said, it's like the well looking at the donkey. Uh, that also is a koan in the uh, shōyoroku And then we come to the end of his life. In the year 901, in the summer, Sozan asked a, month, uh, asked a monk, what month and day is this? The monk said, it's the 15th day of the 6th month. Sozan said, Sozan has traveled his entire life. Everywhere it is observed that a summer has 90 days. And then the next day, during the hour of the dragon, between, that's, that's between 7 and 9 in the morning, Sozan died. He was only 62 and had been a monk for 31 years. 62 seems awfully young to die. (laughs) And now we go back to the case. So this monk, Seize, goes to Master Sozan and says, I am poor and alone. I beg you, Master, to make me rich. Well, we know that he doesn't mean literally. So what does he mean? I am poor and alone. Probably all of the uh, great religious traditions have recognized the, the value of simplicity, of uh, living a life of simplicity. And no doubt this monk, Cézé, knew very well that he was privileged in being a monk. I love the words of a William Morris, uh, who lived, uh, who may have written this about the time of our Civil War, 1800s, late 1800s. Who said, Simplicity of life, even the barest, is not misery, but the very foundation of refinement. He was a, this William Morris was an English poet, artist, and architect. Foundation of refinement, simplicity. I was told once by uh, a Sangha member who had lived in China for a year that uh, in the traditional Chinese cooking, you only use three ingredients. Three, that is three elements. I think he meant, uh, whatever, two, two vegetables and then some tofu or three vegetables. It seems that in our In our contemporary society here, it seems that it's sort of the opposite. The more things you can put into dishes, uh, the better it's supposed to be. Just cluttered up with every kind of exotic thing, flavor, seasoning. But you have to appreciate the demand on a cook of making something taste good, just using the the natural ingredients, the the most natural things, and keeping it simple. Less is more. It's the name of a a book. I just remembered this moment that uh, I have in my bookshelves, haven't turned to it in a long time. It's a whole book of aphorisms uh, about the... The great privilege of of simplicity living simply it's called less is more. nothing could be farther from the ethos of the United States than less is more. The philosopher Kant said uh um, one can be one is rich not in what one has." But one what one can do without with dignity uh, There's something very satisfying about uh, leading a, a life in of uh, Zen Zen training, residential Zen training. Well, we're doing it this week. This is residential Zen training. It's about as simple as anyone ever lives, is during a seven-day sashim. It's not quite that simple uh, outside sashim for people living uh, here at Chapin Mill or at Arnold Park. But it's, it's pretty simple compared to most people. Uncomplicated. There's a short story of, from the Sufi tradition of Nasruddin. Nasruddin was the um, supposed uh, kind of backwards hero of, of so many Sufi stories. Uh, and he, in his, how it goes, Nasruddin was eating a poor man's diet of chickpeas and bread. His neighbor who also claimed to be a wise man, was living in a grand house and dining on sumptuous meals provided by the emperor himself. His neighbor told Nasruddin, ''If only you would learn to flatter the emperor and be subservient like I do, you would not have to live on chickpeas and bread.'' You know what he's going to say. Nasruddin replied, ''And if only you would learn to live on chickpeas and bread like I do... You would not have to flatter and live subservient to the emperor. So, a matter of where your values are. I mean, look at here, flattering and living subservient to the emperor. How can you not think of the Republican party? Uh,
1: <laughs> if, if, if only, if
0: only they could, um, have the courage to give up being reelected that 's what everyone says is the reason they they 're so craven and grovelling and quiet and all of these outrages he does is because they 're afraid of being primary of uh, losing the primary um, when the members of trump 's base um, comes out and and which has been shown to happen several times it 's that it 's that all right craving on the part. Of these congressmen and senators, the craving to be reelected as the primary goal, value in their life, rather than just being willing to let it go, find a different kind of work, like a affluent lobbyist. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe human nature hasn't changed much in a long hundreds of years, so poverty poverty of spirit is recognized also in the in the christian tradition the the desert fathers and others who uh, knew that uh, to to have nothing to Cling to nothing, to want nothing, to hold to nothing. That's Zen. I am poor and alone. Alone. Alone is not lonely. Doesn't have to be lonely. I suppose it often is. You read that there's so many people now living alone, uh, in isolation. It's, I guess, especially common among older people. But alone can be wonderful, wonderful, simple life. Can also living alone can also be an escape from coming to terms with um, living with others. uh, The what comes up in living with others, interpersonal conflicts. Before uh, before I came on staff when I was twenty three. Uh, I had loved living living alone uh, in Ann Arbor. Just a room, a room and a rooming house. I knew it would be something of a, an adjustment to move in. The first, uh, first few years, I shared a room. We only had four people living at the center in those days, and we didn't have 5 Arnold Park or The Link, um, and uh, there were just four of us in Arnold, at 7 Arnold Park, and I shared a room uh, with one of the other three, in a small room, room 4A, in case you're wondering. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, there were no problems. Yeah, it, it took a little negotiating with a room that small, two people, but my roommate was very ardent, very focused on the way the, and uh, it was fine the, the when you're when you're it's probably the only way that uh, so many monks can live together uh, in Spartan conditions I'm talking about Japan China is because they're they're doing the sitting they're they're doing this practice, and that just lubricates uh, relationships. It keeps people get, brings enough space into our life, our our inner life, to provide uh, harmonious, more harmonious than it would be otherwise. Sure, there there are uh, plenty of plenty of friction, uh, not only not only here, but uh, I, that I encountered in in Japan. Uh, my first day at, at Bukokuji in Japan, uh, I was told that the day before, the day before I got there, these two uh, monks had settled a dispute. One of them uh, had uh, thought that the, the other had insulted him, had caused him to lose face. Uh, so the one the one who felt aggrieved um, was able was uh, the the other one the one who insulted him apparently uh, agreed to stand before him and let the other one uh punch him in the face. These are both Japanese, and then there done. I can't resist saying what I've said before more than a few times in Taisho. the word alone, at its best, is all one. The Buddha, according to the legend, when he was born, he took seven steps, raised his right hand up to the sky, lowered his left hand, and said, above the heavens and below the heavens, I alone, the world honored one. No other, much less otherism, tribalism. I alone. So again, says he, I am poor and alone. I beg you, Master, to please make me rich. To which Sozan says, Venerable Seize, Venerable is just the standard, uh, it's like reverend Uh, in Buddhism, it means that he's a a monk, or nowadays a priest, it's just the title, Uh, Venerable Seize, yes master, replied Seize, what about that response? It's part of uh, Zen training, traditionally, to learn to respond with no gap. And then, Sozan, you have already drunk three cups of the finest wine of China, but still say your lips are not yet moistened. so. That's the crux of this koan. We'll go on to the commentary. Mumon says, Seize assumes an obsequious manner, but what is his real intention? That's a big clue uh, for coming up with a demonstration for the case. What is his real intention? Sozan, with his penetrating eye, sees through Seize's mind. Be that, uh, Be this as it may, just tell me how the venerable Seizei could have drunk this wine. It's so one of the things you have to learn early on when you're working on koans subsequent to your first koan is uh, the, the where the questioner is coming from. What is behind the question? It may be a simple Straight question, wanting information, wanting some explanation of the Dharma, uh, or it could be something something else, where the questioner is is appraising the understanding of the other person and uh, trying to determine um, what what kind of eye he has. The Japanese word for this. It's one of the five or so words of Japanese I know because I heard it uh, many times from uh, Roshi Kaplow, uh For this process of of questioning to determine someone's understanding is sagadi bo, which means putting putting a stick in water to see pushing it down into the water to see how deep the water goes. And then the verse His poverty is like Hantan's, his spirit like that of Kou. Though he can hardly sustain himself, he dares to compete with the richest of men. Now, these two allusions, Hantan and Kou, uh, can do no better than to turn to uh, Aitken, the late Aitken Roshi's commentary. On the Mumon Khan. He did the research. Let's let him speak. Uh, Hantan uh, and, and uh, Kou are folkloric figures of China and uh, probably also historical personages originally. Hantan was obliged by circumstances to give up a civil service career. This would have been a tremendous sacrifice to reach the, that level of achievement. In, in ancient China, that's the most you could aim for, was to become a civil a member of the civil service. It was extremely uh, in high demand, as it still is in China, For sh- I mean in uh, Japan for sure, uh, where oh, they pick only the best, but the most outstanding uh, They have these civil service exams once a year, and only the top-ranked ones get these plum jobs in the civil service. It was even more that way in ancient China. And uh, uh, this Hantan was known to have, have, when his mother fell ill, he gave it up uh, to tend to her. Aitken here says he... He trundled his wife and children about in a pushcart, eking out a living as a fortune teller. So they barely kept themselves alive, uh, eating the poorest food imaginable and dressing in the most ragged clothing. That's hantan. And then kou, K-O-U, was a great general of the 3rd century B.C. Um, He won every battle except his last. And that last battle led to the founding of the Han dynasty, which is the one that preceded the Tang dynasty. But he's renowned for his great courage. And then Aitken writes here, his horse, Chui, uh, equally courageous, and his beautiful mistress, uh, Yu, have roles in his famous story. With defeat imminent, he sat carousing in his tent, with his mistress singing the song that has been sung down through the ages. So there, this is these these things last in China, from the third century B.C. And this is the song, the words. Strength to drive through a mountain. Spirit to cover the whole earth. But the time is unfavorable. Chui doesn't want to go forth. That's the horse. And then you, oh you, what will be your fate? So Mumon here is drawing from this immense history of China and their literature uh, to compare whose poverty, whose spirit. His poverty is like Han Tan's, a spirit like that of coal. Though he can hardly sustain himself, he dares to compete with the richest of men. Another uh, feature of the koan curriculum is the, the references are not always clear. Is, he, is Mumon here referring to Seze or Sozan or both? Who is the richest of men? One more story about riches and poverty. This is from uh, this collection, Stories of the Spirit, Stories of the Heart, Parables of the Spiritual Path from Around the World. The rich industrialist from the north was horrified to find the southern fisherman lying lazily beside his boat smoking a pipe. Why aren't you out fishing, said the industrialist. "'Cause I've caught enough fish for the day,' said the fisherman. "'Why don't you catch some more?' "'What would I do with it?' "'Well, you could earn more money. "'And with that, you could have a motor fixed to your boat "'to go into deeper waters and catch more fish. "'Then you would make enough money to buy nylon nets. Uh, "'These would bring you more fish and more money. "'Soon you would have enough money to own two boats.' maybe even a fleet of boats, then you'd be a rich man like me. And the fisherman says, what would I do then? Industrial says, then you could really enjoy life. <laughs> You're all ahead of me, but I'll finish <laughs> the last line. The fisherman says, what do you think I'm doing right now? <laughs> okay. Our time is up we'll stop and recite the four us
1: all <coughs> oh, beings without number. Endless blind passion, I vow to avoid. Dharma against beyond measure, I vow to penetrate. The great way of Buddha, I vow to attain. All beings without number, I vow to break endless blind passions I vow to Vabrut root. gaze beyond measure I vow to benefit the great way of Buddha I vow to attain all beings without number I vow to liberate Endless blind passions I bow to Vaproot Dharma gates beyond shore, I bow to penetrate The great way of Buddha I bow to attend